Gwyneth was glad to be going into Rivenshaw. It'd take her mind off her worries to do some shopping and maybe meet a few people she knew and chat to them. The village shop in Birch End supplied everyone's basic needs, but it didn't stock much beyond essential groceries. She had a quarter of an hour to wait for the bus, but there was a bench behind the bus stop, and she enjoyed watching people. Today, she saw a little lash she'd noticed before walking sedately along the street, accompanied by a harsh-faced old woman. Other children of her age skipped along and chatted to their companions, but this one always walked sedately. She'd have been bonny, if she'd not been dressed in funereal black, with her hair dragged back into a tight single plait. The stern-looking woman seemed to be scolding the child. Why was she not at school? Ah, that was a bandage on her wrist. Perhaps she'd been to see the doctor. The child's face bore an expression of what looked like the stoic calm of utter despair to Gwyneth, a way to hide her real feelings. Such a young creature to be so guarded and unhappy. She couldn't have been more than about nine or ten. It tore at Gwyneth's heart to see her. She'd have given anything for a grandchild of that age to take the walks, chat to, and make clothes for. The old woman's expression remained grim. Once, when the last started to move in a pattern of steps to avoid stepping on the cracks between the paving slabs, she cast a quick, furtive glance around and slapped her young companion good and hard on the back of the head. From her expression, she enjoyed doing it. The blow was so hard it sent the child tumbling to the ground. And when the poor little thing got up, she was cradling the arm with a bandage on it. That didn't stop her getting scolded for not walking properly. The bandage was now trickling blood. The woman's shrill voice carried clearly in the damp air. You stupid fool! Look what you've done to yourself now! Gwyneth knew better than to intervene. But she wanted to. Oh, she wanted to very badly. It was heartbreaking how some folk treated those weaker than themselves. That particular day, the woman must have got a stone in her shoe because she stopped suddenly, pointed to one end of a park bench and snapped out a command. Sitting down at the other end, she pulled her shoe off and shook something out. The child didn't attempt to sit down, just stood motionless next to the bench, while the woman bent to put on her shoe again. Gwyneth winked at the little girl as they started moving again and walked past the bus shelter, giving her a tiny wave with her hand lowered so that the woman didn't see it. After a quick look of shock and a glance to check that the old woman wasn't watching her, the lass gave a tiny nod and a flicker of her fingers in response. Gwyneth jerked in shock when someone spoke to her. Did you see that, Mrs. Hart? She recognised the voice and looked up to smile at Sergeant Deemer, who was standing nearby, half concealed behind an evergreen bush. Had the policeman been watching the woman, too? Yes, and it's not the first time I've seen her hit that poor child, Sergeant. I think she's the grandmother. Yes, she is. The child's parents are dead and she looks after her, but I'm starting to worry about what's going on. 
My constable's seen the poor woman hitting poor BT several times when they're out in the back garden, because his beat takes him past it. Mrs Hicks must think she can't be seen there. They both sighed at the same time. It's one thing to slap a child for being naughty, another to beat them regularly, the sergeant said. I wonder how Beatty got that injury. Who knows? There's nothing we can do, though, is there? People are allowed to chastise their children. Dima scowled. That doesn't mean beating them black and blue. As the bus came into view in the distance, a thought occurred to Gwyneth. If something really bad happens and you need a place for the child to stay in an emergency, Sergeant Dima, I'd be happy to take her in and look after her. He studied her face. Are you sure about that, Mrs Hart? Yes, definitely. I love children, and I don't have any grandchildren yet. I'll bear it in mind. He nodded and moved on. Gwyneth sighed as she got on the bus. She couldn't get the memory of that poor child being knocked to the ground out of her mind. And here she was, with all that love to spare. Life could be so unfair. In London, Albert Nevin called his clerk into his room. Good news, he said by way of a greeting. That phone call was from the lawyer in Rivenshaw. Mr Higgins has found Arthur Chapman. Oh, jolly good, sir. Yes, Penscombe, but the poor fellow's apparently in a sorry state. He lost his wife, then his daughter and son-in-law within the space of a year, and fell to pieces. Those were some hard blows. He's pulled himself together during the past year and stopped drinking, but he's living in poverty. Respectable poverty, Bib says. So he will be allowed to inherit. Good to know, sir. Can you please send the key to number 25 up to Mr Lloyd by overnight express? He'll take Higgins and Chapman to the house and hand it over. It'll be interesting to find out what it's like inside, won't it? Miss Chapman and her nephew had some very devious plans for their heirs, if you ask me. And they knew how to keep their plans secret. Their ideas worked well for the first two houses, did they not? Jerked both of their relatives out of ruts and into happier lives. Let's hope this final heir can also benefit from their generous, if eccentric, actions. <laughs>